Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. I'm Andy Davis and this is episode two of season eight. And after last week's awards extravaganza, which incidentally I highly recommend listening to if you haven't heard it yet, we're getting back to basics. We're looking at a simple question. If you've done a new kitchen or bathroom for a client and somewhere down the line, one of the products fails in some way, who is going to take responsibility for sorting it all out? The supplier might simply send a new one out from the warehouse, but who should pay to take the broken one out and fit the new one? Where does that supplier's liability begin and end? And ultimately, does it all fall back on the retailer who needs to put their reputation and customer service above all, even if it puts them out of pocket? To unpick all the permutations, I'll be joined by a couple of very experienced retailers, Michael Lloyd from Inspired Bathrooms and Kitchens on the Wirral, and Elizabeth Pantling-Jones from Lima Kitchens in Milton Keynes. And as you'd expect, they have some proper nightmare stories of just this kind of thing happening to them. But first, do you have any job vacancies at the moment? I'm not asking for me, you understand, this isn't a cry for help. No, I'm asking because you should post it on our dedicated jobs page on kbbreview.com. It's just 75 quid for 30 days on the KBB Industries' leading news analysis, opinion and interview site. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash jobs for all the details. Plus, obviously, you can also go there if you're job hunting to see all the latest posts. That's kbbreview.com forward slash jobs. So joining me down the line, as promised, we have Mike Lloyd from Inspired Bathrooms and Kitchens on the Wirral. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing very well, thank you. And we have friend of the show, Liz Pantling-Jones from Lima Kitchens in Milton Keynes. Welcome back, Liz. Hiya. Great to speak to you again. Yes, you too. The most important thing we need to get to, the most important question first goes to you, Liz, as Mike and I, as you can probably tell, are both from Merseyside. And you can probably hear that in the accent, which will probably get stronger as the conversation goes on. (laughs) But is there a Milton Keynes accent? Often mistaken for Aussies, as we were all brought up on Neighbours and Home and Away. (laughs) Well, yes, that would make sense. It always goes up at the end of the sentence. Yep. It always talks about going off to uni. Yep. Your big galah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's get down to business. Let's set the scene. Mike, tell us a little bit about your business for those that may not be familiar with you. Okay. Uh, originally an installer working for kitchen and bathroom companies independently. Something happened in 2007 that forced me to set up and create my own showroom. Initially one, now three. I design, supply and install bathrooms and kitchens to a very high standard and to a very high quality. Well, that's Prenton for you on the Wirral. I know it very well. I was once the reporter on the Birkenhead News, Mike. Did you know that? You can still get the Birkenhead News, but you have to pay some money for it, and it's emailed to you, unfortunately. It's no longer a real newspaper. Oh, I see. It wasn't like that in my day. So, Liz, tell us about Lima Kitchens for those that don't know you. Um, so, we offer um, British-made kitchens um, to the local area, and we undertake a number of major renovations. We do a lot of building work, flooring, lighting, external windows, and things as well. So both very experienced guys, uh, and I've got you both on today to talk about this issue of of replacing damaged or faulty products, and in particular, who pays to replace them. The suppliers might send new products for free under a warranty, for example, but the retailer or the fitter may be left picking up the bill to actually take the damaged stuff away, fit the new ones, etc. So Mike, give us an idea, paint a picture for us here of the kind of thing that might happen in this scenario. How does this sort of play itself out? I'll give you two examples One kitchen, one bathroom. So the kitchen example is that a client purchases a product from us and they believe in us. And and we, I think the manufacturers can do an awful lot of advertising, a lot of marketing, but at the end of the day, the customer buys from us. Uh, We form a relationship, we form trust. So we sell them a product. 
uh, they buy it. They, you know, we go along, we either install it or, or it's a, a, a supply only. And then the client walks into the showroom six months later, telling us that they've got a broken part. Uh, we do everything we possibly can to help. So we put them in touch with the manufacturer. And yeah, the manufacturer in this instance sent out a brand new tap for the client, which for me is over and above because it wasn't actually the entire tap that was broken, but the customer got a brand new tap. We think that's the end of the problem. What actually happens is the, cl- the c- client then rings us back and says, when are you coming to fit my tap? And we say, hang on a minute, we've just got you a replacement part. That's not our problem. And in this instance, we didn't fit the tap. It was fitted by your plumber. You're going to have to get your plumber. And the customer says, I'm not paying for the plumber. Why should I pay? I bought this from you. I trusted you. I want, I want you to come and sort this out for me, please. Inevitably, we have to go and sort it and we pay. And then you say to the, to the uh, supplier, okay, so I'd like to have some recompense for that, please. It's cost us time and labor. How do we recover our money? And, and they say, well, we've done our bit. We've sent the tap out to the customer. So you end up going round and round in circles. Now, the outcome of this one was quite a simple one, is that the, the, the part was replaced. The customer got their own plumber back and paid the plumber. Plumber fitted the tap, and it leaked even worse than the first time. We put them back in touch with the manufacturer and the manufacturer says, okay, all right, hands in the air. We'll go out and we'll sort this ourselves. And why couldn't you do that in the first place? Sorry, Mo, but just as roughly speaking here, what did that cost you in the end? Okay, so I would say probably two or three hours of manpower of phone calls backwards and forwards to the supplier or to the manufacturer. For the plumber to go out and fit, you're probably, you're into an hour. I would suggest so far we're at 150 to 200 pounds of time and effort and manpower. As the tap failed, inevitably the plumber will have to eventually go back out again. So add another 100 pound on. You could be a 300 pound fault. Now, I, I spoke to this manufacturer at length and said, I understand that you've sent out your product and you've posted it to the customer and the customer now has a brand new tap. But that cannot be the end of your responsibility. That's someone somewhere has to fit the product. Let's escalate that to be an entire set of kitchen doors that have been really, really badly sprayed. They've been sent to the customer. Uh, the customers open the boxes in advance of us turning up to install. And the customers rejected them because of the pitting and real poor quality of paint. Now, an entire kitchen of doors could be 25, 30 door fronts and carcasses and end panels. So this is a real story. It actually happened. We're now left with 25, 30 doors. Who disposes of it and who disposes of it sustainably? Who pays the money for the skip? Who pays the money for the recycling? Who pays the money for our installer to go out and actually install the product? And the fact is the manufacturer says, well, we've met our warranty conditions by giving you some new doors. That's the end of it as far as we're concerned. So Liz, are you nodding your head in agreement here? Does this all sound scarily familiar to you? Well, we've been in all of these scenarios, doors and taps and other products as well. I think the the scenario of the tap is difficult. Bar one supplier, I would say it's very hard to get support from anyone to do with sinks and taps and the knock-on effects that that can then have. So if you have a sink, for example, and that goes faulty, you have the knock-on effect of removing it from the worktop, the knock-on damage of that as well. They feel that because they've only supplied the part in the first place, then that's all that they should be replacing. Um, We have in the past managed to work out 
ongoing agreements to cover the costs more long term. And therefore, it buys the manufacturer guarantee of you going back to them and giving them the other another opportunity. And in the example of the doors, we've had um, the same situation where we've had to foot the bill. But on the other hand, we do have a supplier who, when there was an issue with some doors, removed the doors for us because it wasn't evident until we'd started fitting them, collected them, returned them and fit them back on. So we've seen kind of both ends of the service spectrum on that side of things. Yeah, and I think that's part of this, isn't it? We're not painting everyone with the same brush here. It's different policies for different suppliers. But of course, for guys like you, you're dealing with so many different brands and different suppliers all the time to get one kitchen together. There's hundreds of different products involved with each one. How much does this kind of thing damage your relationship with these suppliers? You end up in a bit of a sort of conflict with them that has to be resolved in some way. Does it sort of tarnish your partnership, do you think? What do you think, Mike? I'll give you the words of this particular client. He said, up until this point... I'm I'm referring back to the tap. Up until this point, my dealings with your company have been absolutely outstanding. I've been so impressed and I've recommended one of my friends to you. This has really, really soured our relationship. And I have to say, I'm bitterly disappointed with your response. And I really don't think that I should be paying out to have my tap replaced. You know, I bought this product from you in good faith. I trusted you and I believe that you were selling me a product of quality. So the word that, that stuck out in my mind in that one is you have, this has soured our relationship. And, and the relationship is the word it, rather than soured. You know, we had formed a relationship. We had spent a lot of money on marketing and advertising. We brought the clients into the showroom. Showrooms are high quality, clean and tidy. We're giving these manufacturers space in our showroom to present their products. And in doing so, we're creating an environment where the, where the customer can have a look, touch and feel, go through everything they want to go through with us. And they believe us and they trust us. And, and it costs a lot of money to get that trust off a client. You don't buy the trust, you, you earn it. And then when the customer says our relationship is soured, they can now go away, despite the fact that we did supply and fit a really, really high-end kitchen for them. They can go away and they can then tell their friend in the, in the pub or at the local church meeting that I wouldn't go there if I were you. They weren't very helpful with their after sales. And our brush is tarnished completely because of something that was above and beyond our control. So we have to then take ownership. And I have this phrase, we simply have to take ownership of the problem and deal with it ourselves in our way for a satisfactory outcome so that we don't ruin that relationship with our client. Obviously, the manufacturer is more than happy to damage that relationship because they have met their warranty criteria. And I will say, as Liz said earlier, that that this is not every manufacturer. I think we're down to about half a dozen suppliers in kitchens and half a dozen suppliers in bathrooms. And we have some very, very strong relationships. Some of these are fringe manufacturers where you don't particularly want to buy from, but you have to because of uh, client requirements, et cetera. And you can really, really sort the, uh, the wheat from the chaff with, with suppliers. This has not ended this problem. And although the client did come back in a few days later uh, and has said to us, you know, we fully understand that this is not your doing, but I still come back to the point I bought it from you and I want you to fix the problem. So that's where we're at with it. We have to pay. We have to take it on the chin, deal with it whatever the cost is to keep the satisfaction of the client. So what do you think? Does this, does this damage the partnership element that you have with suppliers who tried to have this relationship directly with you? Does this make you think, why am, I, why am I stocking this stuff in the first place? Because when I needed your help, you didn't give it to me. I think it really varies. And in my mind, it kind of breaks down into sectors. So you've got your sinks and taps, your appliances, your doors, and you 
I think over the years that we've been trading, I've realized that these kind of categories and, and kind of individual sectors have their own way of dealing with things. One of the areas that we have particular problems with would be flooring. There's no responsibility of the manufacturer. It can never be their fault. We found that worktops have been the same, not from the fabricators, but by some kind of pretty big names across the industry debating, you know, the radius cutout isn't right, or we're going to say that's kind of 0.3 of a mil not supported in across kind of 200 mil of workshop or something. And sometimes you're kind of just trapped into having to deal with those and accept those elements of the market and the service that you're going to receive because the grass isn't always greener. I mean, it's interesting that you talk about disputes over things, because I'm wondering what kind of arguments suppliers have to dispute the reasoning of the complaint in the first place. Most issues probably come down to incorrect fitting or something, for example. So is it very hard to kind of convince them in the first place that they are at fault or their product is at fault, rather than them just arguing back with you that it's probably fine, but it hasn't been fitted properly? Yeah, it can, it can be. One of the situations that we're actually waiting for someone to come out and have a look at currently is with an LVT floor. There are clearly manufacturing faults within the floor. It's not square. It has lumps and bumps in it where there should be no lumps and bumps. Um, and that's before it's stuck to the floor. And they're claiming that the floor is only suitable to be fitted between 18 to 19 degrees. And it's like, how can you guarantee the kind of con- temperature consistency to fit to that? So we're now at a point where we're arguing if this product is even fit for purpose with such tight constraints on it and feel that they're just trying to wriggle out of any kind of ownership or responsibility on on this particular fault. What do you think, Mike? Do they trust your judgment on it or or are they always going to argue the toss about whose fault it is? I think it's fair to say there's a certain level of manufacturer. I'll I'll, I'll give you one very quick plus point uh, instead of negatives is there is a tap manufacturer, a boiling tap manufacturer out there currently that have a fleet of engineers on the road. They take complete ownership of their of their brand, their products. If there's an issue with servicing, they go out and service it. I would say they go above and beyond the necessary to ensure that the, the client relationship is maintained. The client being us to them or the purchaser of the of the tap to us, they don't really differentiate as far as they're concerned. Their brand is, a, is in question and they will look after and protect their brand. Exemplary, absolutely exemplary. I'll give you a quick floor example. There is a a very, very, very well-known LVT floor manufacturer. We've had a couple of issues, three or four issues since 2020. They send out their engineer. Engineer looks at the job, initially blames the installer for installing the the floor incorrectly or under the wrong circumstances, as Liz suggests. And then they eventually agree to replace the floor. Now, what they do is they deliver a brand new floor to you and it arrives in your warehouse. And that is the end of their responsibility. Again, under Consumer Credit Act, Sales Goods Act, there will be sections in there that requires them to repair, replace, or refund. So their replacement is shipping you a brand new floor. What they won't do is cover any of the cost involved in removing the old floor, putting the new one down, and then saving face with our clients who who blames us entirely for the whole thing. The majority of issues that we refer to, and I'll give you, there's a a very, very large bathroom company selling all aspects of shower screens, taps, furniture, very popular in the UK. And I went through a stage up until about five years ago of every single basin unit that we sold, that we fitted into bathrooms for clients, 
eventually burst, probably within two to three years, eventually burst at the seams. Uh, we sent photographs. We've, in most cases, sent the product back to them. And in every single case, following their r- rigorous and stringent testing, found the fault to be with the client for misuse of the product. Now, I'm talking about products that are designed to be fitted into bathrooms, into moist areas, into water areas, and they found fault every single time. At no point did they ever agree that there was a fault with the product and replace it. I took it upon myself to go to all of my three showrooms, remove every single item of product that we had from that manufacturer, fill the box van and shipped it back to them. And we've never dealt with that company since to this day. And that's the, that's the only bite back that we have as, as small retailers, as you pointed out earlier, on our own little island floating around in rather a large sea. The only comeback we have is to hurt the manufacturer in their pockets. If they don't help us and look after us, then we have to retaliate. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And the thing is, there's, there's the cost of you know getting the fitter out there, or whatever. But there's it's just man hours, just the amount of time it takes having arguments with everybody. I mean, it just it just stops you from from dealing with the with the actual stuff of the day, which is which is making kitchens for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of points that Mike raised there, and in I just kind of want to circle back on quickly, if that's okay. And that's the tap manufacturer. If tap and sink manufacturers fall within appliance, they should be giving the same service that general appliance manufacturers give, which is with the engineers, is with a guarantee where they will go out and they will investigate, repair or replace. And I think that's something that should be brought up into line across sink and tap manufacturers as a general rule. And then in terms of the relationship still, I think that suppliers should spend more time thinking about the contract as a whole and the cost to them. So, yes, it's one thing stopping selling the product and sending it back. But with some good support, how much more could they get? How much more drive to sell their products? Because you know that the service is going to be backed up. I think that's kind of another important thing that should be highlighted more. It's about what you look for in a supplier. Is it's not just about the margin. It is about the support that they give you. It's about they deliver when they say they're going to. It's about what they do in situations like this when something's gone wrong. All of these things add up into why you would choose one supplier over another. I think one of the things that we can all agree is the emphasis that our suppliers put on the independent market and how important we are and how much of their overall turnover we supply to them but as individuals it can sometimes feel a little bit like conquer and divide because we won't have the same power as a single entity that some of these big companies have over the suppliers as a whole yes it is my job here i'm going to officially be devil's advocate okay so brace yourselves The devil's advocate position, I suppose, would be that it would be supremely unlikely that a supplier would accept the liability. I suppose that's the word, the liability of paying for anything other than the bare product. You know, they'd be opening themselves up to a potential misuse of that or the, the cost would spiral out of control because one thing knocks onto another. There must be some acceptance from retailers that their responsibility must formally begin and end somewhere. Okay, let, let, if, you, if you expand that, let, let's, let's take our tap. I'm focusing on that, but unfortunately, that it happens in other products. But let's take our tap. When I spoke to the manufacturer and, and ex- explained the issue, he said, to be truthful with you, we were aware there might be a problem with the product. But the fact is, it was a batch that was made over a period of time, and we didn't really know how many would be affected. We knew some would. So instead of doing a recall or communicating with the, with the suppliers of the product, we decided just to sit back and wait and see what happened. And unfortunately, now you've got one of those taps that's failed. Now, if you imagine if that tap, and we're talking about a brand new kitchen, and in our 
particular price banding, we could be at forty to fifty thousand pounds as a starting point. That could be in a long run of fitted furniture from, say, Germany, and that tap leaks through into the carcass, bursts the carcass, causes an issue where we have to then step in. So we have to now have the worktop removed. We have to have carcasses removed. We have to replace the carcasses and possibly deal with water damage. If this wasn't spotted instantly, it might have been a leak at the back of the product dripping down the service ducts. This could have been going on for a reasonable length of time, causing a reasonable amount of damage. If the water had seeped under their fitted floor, maybe it's a laminate floor, maybe it's a luxury vinyl tile floor, the extent of the damage could be vast. So where does the liability kick in for that scenario? It's no longer just a broken tap. We're now talking about a massive rip out and and refit of a kitchen. Who takes responsibility? It has to be the manufacturer. When we've been in that scenario, unfortunately, the manufacturer hasn't taken responsibility and it has had to come down to insurance claims, which also isn't fair because then it has a knock-on effect of premiums potentially as well. But I suppose that's the point, isn't it? Is if you formally accept liability, you know, in in, in a service agreement or, or something, that you say, well, we'll meet the cost of any potential damage caused by any of our, one of our products, they're opening themselves up to a massive, massive liability there that could cost thousands every single time it happens. So they either have to be all or nothing. They either have to have a policy, which is we only fulfill the requirements of the warranty, because if they said anything else, it would cost them a huge amount of money. I mean, that's the that's the devil's advocate position here. They have no choice other than to say it, they will fulfill the warranty. I think this is a, it's a can of worms because I spoke to a, a lawyer who dealt with contract law not that long ago to try and identify where where our position stood and he said basically if you if you advertise as a company that you design supply and install you're responsible he said the customer walking into your showroom doesn't buy from the manufacturer they buy from you therefore even though the manufacturer has a warranty scenario and you can take any of the large sheds any of the large appliance suppliers as an example and their responsibility is to send you a replacement item and that's that's it finished but the contract lawyer had stated that the customer under the consumer credit and sales act basically the liability and the ownership of the problem does eventually end up on our doorstep and it's up to us to find some way of resolving those issues we could take an action against the manufacturer but that involves legal costs, that involves timescales, expert witnesses, etc. And that there is no successful outcome to the problem other than this, the, the supplier of the product initially, i.e. us, has to take ownership and take, take the liability, unfortunately. To answer your question that you're kind of alluding to is the immediate thing that I have done several times is to close the account of, of those suppliers. I think Liz pointed out earlier by, by suggesting that, that unfortunately sometimes we're stuck with those suppliers. We're not. We can we can put our hands in the air and scream and shout and say enough's enough. If you're not going to support us as dealers, we are your windows to the to the client base. We are your windows on the high street. If you don't support us, go and find somebody else that will, because we won't. And and I have closed several accounts over the past couple of months for this very, very problem. But Liz, no corporate lawyer would advise that any supplier accepted the liability for anything, because the, the moment you, okay, something just breaks and needs to be replaced, and that's one thing. But if it breaks and somebody gets hurt or there's some injury happens, then they, they are opening themselves up to something massive there. So it's not unreasonable to expect that they wouldn't formally offer that liability out. I think there is some some level of liability in 
terms that they're kind of safe and, and fit for purpose. But unfortunately, I think the, the issue lies in that consumers have so much law and protection, whereas businesses don't. And I think, but I think this goes further. So this this is the same with the financial market. As an individual, you have um, protection through financial standards, whereas businesses don't. And again, if you're taking on employees as a small employer and small business, Sometimes the the laws around that can feel very one sided. So that this is kind of the the same thing and a, a lack of support. I think generally for small businesses and, and something that we just have to kind of either spend a lot of time and money and effort and resources that we often don't have on fighting these corners and researching implementing different processes or suck up. Unfortunately. We're not tying everyone with the same brush here. And there's an awful lot of people, a lot of brands out there, appliances in particular, who have, as you say, their own fleets of engineers and they go out there and sort things out. But Mike, what what is the reasonable recompense, do you think, that you that you would actually look for? Is it literally they, they pick up all the money? Is it about sharing it? Is it a contribution? Is it a rebate of some description? So there's not actually a cash transaction, but there's some kind of deal that can be done. What is a reasonable recompense, do you think? I think if, if I give you an example of a mirror cabinet, a illuminated mirror cabinet that's fitted into a bathroom, the installer would generally be able to hang that on the wall, level it and make it all work with or without a qualified electrician clearly with because we'd certify the the job at the end now if that then fails further down the line and we've had a spate of failures then the fitter goes out but if he's not a qualified electrician then we have to get the electrician out with him so it's a two-person visit you're talking probably in the region of 150 to 200 pounds of manpower and time to take off a cabinet so the manufacturer's shipped out a new cabinet but it has to be put back on the wall again. It has to be made to work. It has to be checked and tested. The old one has to be taken away. Generally, manufacturers don't necessarily want the old one back. So they just say to you, oh, can you just dispose of that? Just stick it in your skip, will you? So the so the answer to your question really is, is certain manufacturers will then stand up and say, look, we're, we're aware now that you've, you've incurred costs that you wouldn't have otherwise had to do so because of our problem. The next order that you buy from us, we'll do at display rate or we'll work something out with you on your showroom displays or we'll give you a rebate at the end of the year that will assist you with these costs. That happened in real life and it reforged and and remade the relationship with that particular manufacturer. It was very, very on the way out and we managed to pull it around and now we have a fruitful relationship with them. We bill them for our time and they pay because they they themselves fully understand they don't have any engineer network to support in the UK. It's a German company. They have no support in the UK. They've now, as the years have rolled on, now employed service engineers to do just just that problem. So there's one company that actually does take ownership of its product, understand the issues, realize that things do go wrong, and then have gone from paying out a small amount of money to help us to actually putting service engineers on the road. They're in for the long haul. Certain companies won't do that. To answer your question in full, I guess we've got to protect our reputation. At the end of the day, the client buys from us. They don't really care about the um, about the manufacturer of the product. They're looking at us over our desks, in the showrooms, 
expecting us to fix. Our reputation is is worth more than the relationship with that supplier if they're not prepared to play ball with us. If the supplier had said to us, because we don't have engineers on the road, we can offer you up to £150 for one of your service engineers to repair or replace. We'll also cover your disposal costs. I think that's really fair. What do you think, Liz? I think from our point of view, um, because we work on more of a component base, having engineers to go out and, and help assist with some of the rectification isn't something that we could ever see happening. But I think it, it comes down to the partnership question and having a level of integrity and trust between each other so that if you phone up and say this is a fault, you've got good regular installers, you don't normally have problems, but there's a, a spate of problems with a particular product, there should be an element of trust so that things are responded to quickly and also some kind of agreement rebate potentially on moving forward to cover some of those extra costs for you. Um, And in responding quickly, it also has the damage control um, over reputation as well because problems happen and we have to over overcome them for us i think because we do spend so much time with people building relationships that being why they buy from us in the first place that a lot of people can see that you're trying and you're working and it's about those those lines of communication remaining open and honest with the clients to to limit any damage that may occur do you think i mean this is the supplier's side of the equation but do you think that that sometimes customers have a, a really unreasonable expectation of, of returning products or faulty products because, you know, you can return things to Amazon or whatever whenever you want. Do you think there's the, 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 the customers are sometimes expecting too much? I think that with the um, with places like Costco where you can return things for 90 days and you have extended warranties naturally and how easy it can be to return things that are bought online that the expectation um, is there for that to happen with us as well. We're just not set up to do it and we don't have the support from the suppliers to do that either. Um, but on on the other hand, when you returns rather than warranties, when you buy something online, if it's been returned, it's shipped out to the next per- person, repackaged or sealed or something. And then there needs to be an expectation that if someone wants to return to us that they might have something that's already been unpackaged but perfectly new and undamaged and so it's a bigger kind of thing to implement and they're they're very aware of their rights too particularly for if they're spending a lot of money yeah absolutely they they are definitely very aware of their their rights and can make things pretty difficult if they are inclined to so, Mike, very short and sweet here, but regardless of anything that's happened, regardless of what's gone on with whatever arguments you're having with the supplier, ultimately, is maintaining your reputation worth the cost? Yes. You know the old sayings about one good review is fantastic, but one bad review in, a, in an open space can destroy a business. And unfortunately, we have to stand there and, and accept that, that certain manufacturers will go above and beyond. And there are a lot of them. So I want to make that clear. There's an awful lot of manufacturers will take complete ownership of their products and issues and deal with it and help and work with us. There are certainly some that, that don't. And when they don't take ownership of their products, we then have to step in and protect our reputation. Simple as that. We have to protect our reputation. I've spent thousands of pounds out doing doing that with customers because the manufacturers won't. And, and I can sleep at night and I know that I've looked after my clients who believed in us in the first place. Well, look, that's a fantastic place to end it. But I do need to conclude with a really important question. And again, it's arguably the most important question because it stems from the episode with Tony Robertson and Paul Crow. So I'm going to start with you, Liz. What is your baked potato filling of choice? 
tuna and sweet corn with mayo and mustard. Wow, that's the first appearance of tuna, but with mustard. Yeah, it transforms tuna, recommend it. A little bit of Dijon in there, and yeah, it completely makes it. Wow. That's very Milton Keynes. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Are you a cheese and beans man? I'm gonna. I'm really sorry. It's plain, straightforward beans. Nothing. Butter. Plenty, plenty of butter. Beans. A little bit of salt. A little bit of pepper. That's it. Done. Done. Simple as that. That's so Merseyside. Just <laughs> n- no fuss. Just some butter and beans. Sorted. <laughs> Look, Mike, Liz, thank you so much for your time. This is such a grey area, isn't it? But as always, I think we've solved it and the industry never needs to talk about it ever again. Thank you for your time and we will speak again soon. Yeah, thanks very much. That was Mike Lloyd and Elizabeth Pantling-Jones. And you can hear the frustration in their voices, can't you? And I'm sure many of you listening could share your own tales of all this happening to you too. So huge thanks to them for their time and their candidness. Don't forget that you can post your job vacancies or simply browse the ones already up there at kbbreview.com forward slash jobs. It's just 75 quid for a 30-day posting and you could land the perfect candidate or the perfect new job. That's kbbreview.com forward slash jobs. I'll be back next week, so make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice. That way you won't miss a thing when it goes live. See you next time.